You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. And as Grogu does his little head bop as we're coming into the episode, I am once again here by myself. I'm, I'm co-hostless today because Tracy is off doing fun things with her, with her children. But I'm not alone because I do have a guest in Valerie Valdez, who is the co-editor of Escape Pod and currently works as a freelance writer and copy editor. Her short fiction and poetry has been featured in Uncanny Magazine, Time Travel Short Stories, and Nightmare Magazine. Her debut novel, Chilling Effect, was published by Harper Voyager in September of 2019 and Orbit UK in February of 2020 with starred reviews in Kirkus, nice, and Library Journal. It was also named one of Library Journal's best SF fantasy novels of 2019 and was shortlisted for the 2021 Arthur C. Clarke Award. The sequel, Prime Deceptions, was published in September 2020. And the third book in the trilogy is out. This is called Fault Tolerance, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Valerie, how are you? Things are going all right. Doing pretty good here. Got a lot of work on my plate, which is really exciting. I have a new book coming out in, uh, next year, question mark. I'm actually not sure exactly when it's coming out, but that's in edits right now. And uh, that is hopefully going to be a new series. And if it's not, it's going to be a really great standalone. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be some some planetary romance slash space opera for you. And uh, I've also got some secret stuff that I'm working on and another new novel that's fantasy. So lots of stuff. It's very exciting. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So you're, you're keeping busy. Oh, yeah. Always. We're, always. We're almost kind of sort of in the post-COVID times, maybe, sometimes, like for Fingers a day crossed. or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you able to keep writing during COVID? Yeah, actually, Fault Tolerance was a pandemic novel. I did write it during the pandemic. And my my other book that would be coming out next year is also a pandemic novel. We went into pretty much full quarantine lockdown because we can. Uh, we have the privilege to do so. Uh, I work at home. My husband is a sound engineer, and he pretty much just stopped taking work because it was either not happening or was not safe. And our youngest is still not fully vaccinated because of age, not because of lack of will, but that should be accomplished soon. So we're looking forward to uh, hopefully once again, seeing the sunshine. I don't know. I just don't go outside anymore. (laughs) It's hot anyway. We're in Georgia. Listen, the summer in Georgia is nothing to sneeze at. It's not Texas, but it's not fun. I used to live in Chattanooga. Nice. So I was right on the border. Uh, I was one of those people who did actually like drive five miles south to get gas because it was cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I used to drive to Costco to get gas, same reason. So that's what you got to (laughs) do. So, but the point is, I know, I know that that area and the the heat and Mm -hmm. uh, how bad it can be. So, oh yeah, totally got you there. So tell us a little bit about your your current trilogy, though. So you you you've, you've got three books out. the the yep. The final one is Fault Tolerance. Yep. What what what's the premise here? What's going on? Yeah. So uh, Chilling Effect starts the story. You've got uh, Captain Eva Inocente, who is a starship captain with a kind of motley crew of renegades and rebels and the usual. They are uh, sort of a small cargo freighter. They take on odd jobs, more or less, to get them fed to fill the gas tank, so to speak. And uh, what ends up happening is that Eva's sister is kidnapped by a shadowy organization called The Fridge. And yes, that is a joke about fridging. <laughs> the The idea is that she must perform labors of Hercules for this organization in order to pay off the ransom on her sister and free her. So it, of course, evolves from there. 
<laughs> and a lot of things happen. A lot of things. And the second book, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get into the second book, so the sure. first book, I, I'm assuming like this is this is this set in our quote unquote universe, like far. It is set future? in our universe. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the future. It is uh, give or take a few hundred years into the future. Uh, magic indistinguishable from technology, and vice versa. It, it plays fast and loose with some of the rules of reality in the sense that I like to rule of cool stuff where it's possible. But at the same time, I like to do a lot of research. And so whenever I push those boundaries, I try to do it at least in a believable way. Verisimilitude is the the watchword here. But a lot of the, the world state is influenced by stuff like Mass Effect, where you have a variety of different uh, species populating the galaxy who all kind of more or less live together, get along, have their own kinds of factions and uh, politics and whatnot. And uh, this is a small small player, as it were, in, in the world of all of this stuff. And so uh, ultimately, over the course of the trilogy, she sort of gets dragged into doing bigger and bigger things because that's what you do with trilogies. You, you raise sure. the stakes, you make things things bigger. But initially, she's just one. She's just a girl with a ship <laughs> trying to get by trying to keep her people safe and fed and then everything goes wrong <laughs> I, I have two things and one of them you're gonna hate but uh the so the first book you, you mentioned the mass effect so can i read the first book can i do one one read through as a paragon and then the next read through can i switch it up <laughs> So it's funny because um, <laughs> me personally, I always do Paragon playthroughs on Mass Effect because my power fantasy is doing good and being good and helping people. But I would say that uh, I've described this for other for other people who are also Bioware fans is this is Mass Effect if the main character was Purple Hawk, which Hawk <laughs> is the main character of Dragon Age 2. And if you play as Purple Hawk, that means that you're choosing primarily the purple dialogue options, which are usually the sarcastic ones. And so this is a this is neither a, a paragon nor a renegade, but I would say it is possibly you would say a former renegade who has gone paragon or is trying very hard to go paragon and often falls short. See, I, I unfortunately I always have an issue. So I, w- I was raised Catholic, but I gave it up for Lent one year, mm-hmm, and I've stuck mm-hmm. with it. But uh, <laughs> I, I always like I will do a run through of Paragon, and then I'll go, okay, now it's time to do Renegade, and then I'll start a playthrough as a Renegade, and then I'll get to a point where the Renegade has to do something really evil, and then I won't do it, yep. and then by the end of it, I'm a Paragon again. <laughs> I tried to do that and then I just gave up all illusions. Yeah, I was just I like, no, no, I can't I do can't it. Be nope. evil. I have a friend who does Renegade. He, he he does what we call darkest timeline playthroughs of basically every video game that he can. And I hear the stories of how the games turn out when that happens, and it just horrifies me. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you can do what? You can yeah. and what happens to them? Holy you and you did this on purpose to yourself, but why? <laughs> so yeah. The, the second thing I took from that was the organization called the Fridge. Yeah. And you said that that was a, a play on fridging, mm-hmm. uh, which was disappointing because I thought that this was like a future cult that that had worshipped Refrigerator <laughs> Perry from the eighty-five bears or the eighty-six bears. Alas, no. Or the eighty-four <laughs> bears, eighty-four bears, I think it was. So bears. that was disappointing. Yeah, that bears. 
<laughs> so, okay, second book. Second book. I I took you off track. Oh, no. I mean, this is – are there tracks here? This is like – when I was a child, I thought all cars were on tracks, kind of like a Disney World where you just yeah. – everyone would be on their track and you'd switch tracks when you made turns and stuff like that. When I found out that people independently controlled vehicles, I was deeply <laughs> horrified. I was like, who came up with this idea? That is terrible. So, yeah podcast no no rails so prime deception is the second book and it, it basically comes out of the events of the first book in which there is a different secret organization called the forge and uh, they ask her basically to find a missing scientist who they need for very important reasons involving you know potential interstellar war type stuff it's very fine very normal <laughs> it's fine and <laughs> And it, so in, in that book, she uh, she is basically trying to find this character. And it, it, it turns out that it is the brother of one of the uh, crew on her ship. And so they are spending this entire book trying to track this person down uh, while, of course, just shenanigans happen right and left. And then Fault Tolerance is sort of the Mass Effect 3 of the trilogy in that uh, all the birds come home to roost and all of the, the things that were sown are now reaped and everything explodes. Boom! Everything explodes. So I'm assuming the Forge is a, a cult that that worships Jordy Jordy the Forge from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Absolutely, because who amongst us does not? I mean, <laughs> it, he he is the progenitor of Reading Rainbow and other wonderful fine things in life. It, it is funny because Tracy uh, recently asked me, you know, if I if I had like the ultimate wish list of who would I want on the podcast, and uh, I said Lavar Burton. She's like, okay. <laughs> okay, shooting, shooting for the clouds there. Okay, <laughs> I will uh, put that on the list. And then you just cut to like the the scene from Gravity Falls where Dipper is like, "I am pretending <laughs> to write something down." So it, it sounds like this this is a this is a great world that you've built, mm-hmm. and it, you have a lot of stuff going on. Like, what was the? I always like to to ask authors this. It's like, what was the process? And the timeline writing the first book versus the second and the third once you had a contract. Yeah. So the first book was <laughs> it, it began as a NaNoWriMo novel, although that's actually not true. It began as a short story. The the third chapter in the book, I want to say, and I think the fourth chapter, basically it was a story about a spaceship captain who is getting drunk drunk after a job gone wrong in a space bar, as you do, when she gets hit on by a jerk. And she tries to brush him off. He's having none of it. She kicks him in the face and leaves only to find out he is a galactic emperor and she has just made a huge mistake. Uh, And then orbital bombardment occurs. So uh, that's, that's in the book, but that was originally just a short story. And then people who read it were like, this feels too big for a short story, but like, who are these people? And is there more? And what happened? What was the job that went wrong? And all this stuff. And I was like, okay, so I guess this can be a book then. Sure. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's pull apart some stuff. And it went through multiple iterations. I had characters that came and went, characters that evolved. Uh, originally, the the one of the villains of this Tito Santiago was a crew member, and then I shifted him to be uh, a former, you know, boss turned bad guy. And um, so, yeah, it went through a lot of evolutions. Starting, I want to say, in 2016 was when I first started drafting it, and then I took I took it to Viable Paradise after multiple iterations. I took the opening there, got some really great crit- critiques. And uh, 
edited it and started querying. And uh, I guess the rest is history, you'd say. And, but yeah, and it, so it, it came, It I think I started working on it in 2016. And then 2016, was it, it might have been earlier than actually now, I'm not remembering. But it sold in 2018, came out in 2019. And then I want to say in 2019, I wrote the sequel took me about six months start to finish and uh then fault tolerance also took me probably about six months start to finish and uh yeah so the the cycle went much faster the initial book i want to say probably like two and a half years give or take uh as it went through different edits at one point i was just utterly stuck at the midpoint and then I realized it's because I'd made the wrong choice and I had to back up and redo it and then of course I did edits when my agent said and then when editor and it just goes through all those different versions so sure so yeah that one it was it was probably then about three years from start to publication and then the other ones were more like a year yeah which is what a lot of writers talk about Mm -hmm. they 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 spend a lot of time on the first novel and then they, they get the contract and it's like, oh, and we need the second novel by this date. Oh my God, I have to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have the benefit of, I have actually been a municipal liaison with National Novel Writing Month since 2005. So oh, wow. I've been writing a novel a year since 2005. And mostly I've succeeded in the sense of writing 50,000 words, although my novels tend to be about twice that. So uh, there have been times where I wrote half of a novel and then finished the rest of the novel over the course of other months after that. And some of the novels, honestly, they never got finished because they just weren't that great, frankly. Sure. Um, It's hard to balance as a writer the urge to cut bait. And the need to finish things, because if you don't finish things, then you don't learn how to finish things. You don't yep. develop necessarily the stick you need. You don't have the ability to edit an entire you know, novel length project. Uh, there's a lot of practice that, that needs to go into developing those kinds of skills. And so it is tough to decide what to abandon and what to keep going with. And Chilling Effect was one of the the first novels, not the first one, but one of the first novels that I knew I really wanted to finish and I wanted to revise and I wanted to query. Sure. You know, uh, I have, uh, I've been aware of uh, NaNoWriMo for, gosh, a really long time because I was playing here, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I was playing World of Warcraft on Earth and Ring in an RPG guild. Shadow uh, Castle, baby. <laughs> in the, in the you know, when it first came out, when the game came out. Uh, in the, what, the early 2000s, mid 2000s? Yeah, it was early there? 2000s, yep. Yeah. I also started and, playing it when it came out. So don't worry, <laughs> we have both now dated ourselves. <laughs> My friend Quinn basically uh, came in to work, which he never did because he always worked remotely. He came in and he's like, My brother and I are going to play this game and we think you should play with us. <laughs> uh, we're, he, he, he's at the Mac store right now uh, getting me a copy. Do you want one? I'm like, Sure, what is it? He's like, World of Warcraft. It looks really, really cool. We're going to play. I'm like, Okay. And then, of course, being the total noob, total noob, I had no idea how this game worked. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how the servers worked. I just basically rolled up a character, and uh, I'm on the server, and I'm literally yelling Quinn <laughs> as I'm running through the starting area <laughs> trying to find him because I had no idea how it worked. That That's how newbie I was. Oh but uh, I eventually got into a couple of different RP guilds. Uh, 
uh, it's funny because our, our, our Alliance Guild died overnight because we all joined Horde. And nice. we started a we started a guild there, and then we started Tears of Draenor was one of our friends. Uh, the Drunken Monkey Brewery was another. We were the Bone Splinter. Nice. Uh, and so we would we would RP uh, Molten Core together mm-hmm. in character, which people said was <laughs> insane. And and but through them, I started to find out about things like NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have consistently procrastinated NaNoWriMo ever since, and I don't think I've ever finished one. But uh, it's it's fun, and that's also how like I started uh, uh, finding out about things like uh, Merle Lafferty and I mm-hmm. should be writing, uh, which is a mutual friend of ours, and uh, things like a uh, writer die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, writer die is so intense. I cannot do it. I am a <laughs> slow writer, and the thought of of losing my when you go on to the hardest yeah. mode of that, it kamikaze. will literally delete your kamikaze. It will delete yeah. your words if you do not continue typing, and I find yeah. that deeply stressful and i do not but there is also uh the written kitten which is mm. uh, more fun because then every like 250 words you write you get a picture of a kitten <laughs> that's awesome yep i i am i i admire anybody who's able to do nanowrimo consistently i really am because I, I i i write slow and i think that that's a grind Mm-hmm. For me, it's like the pressure, I think, is what causes me to procrastinate. So I a huge props for you mm-hmm. to, to finish anything. And I get it. A lot of those novels for a lot of people end up trunked mm-hmm. because it's it's more about learning the process. It's more about uh, becoming, uh, and this is my opinion, but uh, uh, proficient in being able to sit down and write every day, which is the point. You sit down, yeah. you write every day, you put so many words down every day, eventually you're going to have a short story, a novella, a novel. That That's the way it works. And it, and it teaches you those skills. And for that, you know, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah. And it's definitely not for everyone because I mean, the, the notion that you have to write every day, of course, is a false one. And, and every writer works differently. Every writer yep. has their own best process and it's important to try to find that process. And so I think of NaNoWriMo as an opportunity to see if writing every day is the process that works for you or not. I think that it is very useful in breaking down some of the barriers that people often erect to keep them from writing. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily call it writer's block. I do I do think writer's block is a thing, but I think it is like a host. It's a, it's a term that encompasses a host of other sort of um, internal and external problems, I guess you can call them. Yeah. Um, and so some of those things are emotional, some of them are situational. And and so writer's block happens, but I think sometimes it is not what people think it is. But that said, I feel like NaNoWriMo can be a useful tool in getting past that. It can be a useful tool in developing discipline and structure and routine and all of that stuff. And it can it can also just be useful in turning off the inner editor so that you can get the writing done. Because I think that yeah. a lot of folks, what they end up doing is writing a first few chapters and then just endlessly iterating them, trying to perfect them when that perfection is probably never going to be attainable. Some people love to edit as they go and that's cool too. So again, it's just, it is an opportunity for you to try out a process and see if it works for you and if it doesn't it's totally okay move along yeah i uh i mentioned mer uh mm-hmm. through mer i learned about scrivener yeah and since tracy's not here to stop me i can totally go on a scrivener thing now but <laughs> uh you know i i was frustrated with word I was having a hard time with Word. I was having a hard time because I, I was writing really big, long manuscripts and Word was not 
liking that yeah. and was having a hard time opening them. I could never, I, I had to open it and then walk away to let it load to get to the end to where mm-hmm. I could write some more. I started doing weird things like I would I would have a, a different Word doc for every chapter because yep. it was just easier and then it, it would open quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so then I hear about Scrivener. And so I started using Scrivener and when you kind of work it together with the NaNoWriMo stuff, I think they work hand in hand really well. Because again, to your point, you don't have to write every day, but if you can learn the skills that when you do sit down to write, you're doing the best writing that you are capable of at that time, yep. that's when it comes in and becomes really, really handy. And I like, uh, you know, I don't like writer, writer die and, and that's the, but I like Scrivener and I like the, the pop-up that comes up and says, Hey, you hit your goal today. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Anytime that you can figure out like what are the strategies that help encourage you, motivate you, organize you. And uh, a thing that can happen sometimes with ADHD folks is that the initial need to create a structure and a framework over overwhelms the actual doing of the thing. Yeah. Uh, and so life can get very complicated in, the, in that way. But I, what I love about Scrivener too is that it can be very useful to applying some of the stuff that you would learn from like Rachel Aaron's 2K to 10K, which Boom. never write 10K. Boom. We are best friends now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so I and to be clear, I do not use Scrivener because it actually is not the best thing for me. I've tried; yeah. it's not for me. But that said, like the note cards are amazing. The ability to have like a sidebar with your notes in it is amazing. The hot linking is so good, and uh, the name generator cuts down on time that you spend sitting there trying to come up with a name on the fly. Like there are so many different tools within Scrivener that absolutely make the experience much more seamless and useful and the ability to break it down by scene, by chapter, and then just export the whole thing. I mean, there's so much to Scrivener. There are so many uh, facets of it that like just, just different things that you can use, things that you don't have to use. Like it can be a straight up word processing tool if you really want it to be, but there is a lot in there. It is an extremely robust piece of software. So, And I, I interviewed Rachel years ago. <laughs> And we talked about her book mm-hmm. and I basically, and I, with her permission, mm-hmm. I created a Scrivener template that uses her book. Perfect. See? <laughs> so, you know, it, it, there's the, and uh, I've got a section of the, the, um, the sidebar, uh, that, that talks about, you know, what's, what's the beginning of your story? What's the end of your story? Mm-hmm. What's the middle now write yep. it all together. Who's, you know, and, and I take all the questions that she asks that she goes through and when she's doing her outline and I have that and, uh, that has helped immensely throughout mm-hmm. the years, you know, yeah. cause it, it does give you a point to start and just kind of do stuff. But I always tell people, I, I I'm like, okay, Scrivener, Scrivener's not word. It's not. And it, it, it doesn't replace Word necessarily. That's not what it does. It does a lot of other things. Yes. Uh, word is a word processor and a, and a fax machine software, apparently. And, uh, you know, it, it has some tools and Scrivener has some tools. And if you're happy with Word and you don't have any problems with Word and Word is part of your workflow and everything is working well, you don't necessarily need Scrivener. Mm-hmm. But here's the things that Scrivener can do for you. Yep. And if you want to try it, you can, but if you treat it like word, you're going to fail every single time. Cause that's what happens every single time I will, I've taught Scrivener and people will come up to me and they're like, well, I try to do this, this, this. I'm like, okay, that's the stuff you do at work. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. And it just pissed me off. I'm like, okay, well you can't do that. It's handled completely differently. Yep. So it's, it's the, the point that I was making is that it's what works for you as the writer. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's always what works for you as the writer. 
at the software is almost uh, it's almost not important. It's just whatever your process is, right? Yeah. And whatever works to complement your process and helps you get those words in the paper, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Like for, for me, what I've been using is Google Docs because uh, I write on my phone a lot. That's really, that's <laughs> all that go. it comes down to is that the ability to open up a doc on my phone, write on it, have it be saved to the the ether and then accessible from multiple locations. That That is the thing that I needed. And so uh, I preferred Google Docs to Evernote because I had Evernote glitches in the past. Uh, yeah. So Evernote, I, I want to love Evernote. Mm-hmm. I really want to love Evernote. And for me, Evernote is just sort of mediocre <laughs> but i know i know like um oh he used to be at sf signal derek mm-hmm. was it derek or no it, oh it was oh he's a short story writer um it's not derek it's uh oh i cannot remember his name but he's written a lot of things about how evernote works for him mm-hmm. and the ways that he does it i can look up the name as uh, jamie jamie uh, jamie something I'm terrible with names. I really am. Uh, Jamie Todd Rubin. Okay. Jamie Todd Rubin wrote a bunch of stuff about Evernote that made it so sexy and made me want to use it. Yeah. Uh, And and I set it up the way he set his up and I tried to use it the way he, and it just didn't do it for me. It just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like half of it is, um, again, getting the setup in the way that is going to work best for your process. And the other yeah. half of it is actually using it. And the thing is, if you don't use it, then it's not working. And then yep. you should not do it. And sometimes, as as with the whole writing routine thing and trying to share routine and all that stuff, sometimes it's that you need to have the routine. You need to keep yeah. doing it until it becomes second nature to you. And sometimes you're you're just Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill and it's not worth it. <laughs> and you just need to stop, put the boulder down, wait for Zagreus to come in and then like, you know, hand him uh, a, a euro. <laughs> Delicious sandwich time. <laughs> See, unfortunately my brain went to Babylon five and I was in my head. I'm going Zathras. Oh, Zathras knows. <laughs> Zathras knows. Yeah. Yes. Not the no, one. Not the playing, one. No, you've no, been no. playing a lot of Hades. Every Monday is Hades <laughs> night on my stream. So yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're all Hades all the time here. That's awesome. Okay, so kind of went kind of went far afield there. Uh, I, I did want to touch slightly on the uh, escape pod yes. stuff. So, so what do you do at Escape Pod? Like, what 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 goes on there? Okay, so I am a co-editor with Mer Lafferty, the aforementioned amazing, excellent Mer Lafferty. Never heard of her. What she do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and uh, I took over for SB Divya, who is uh, up for Hugo for best editor, along with Mer. And nice. I am extremely excited to be doing this thing. I love it because basically it means that we're going through all of the um, sort of like final round stories, right? So we have our uh, associate editors who are the first line reading through the stories, sending stuff up when it's good. Um, and then uh, Murr and I read the stuff and we make notes, we talk about it, we, we make our picks and and, uh, and then we publish them, which is a delight. Um, and I really love the process because it means I get to read a lot of great stories and it can be so tough picking between the ones yeah. that are sent up to us. And some of them it is, uh, some of them it's like, 
this is an amazing story, but maybe not quite an escape pod story. And I hate, like, as a writer, I hated hearing that. (laughs) And so as an editor, I'm sorry to say that. (laughs) Um, But but it sort of is true. Like, we have worked between Murr and I to not only just, like, discuss between us the kinds of stories that we're looking for, but also try to communicate that to, to other people so that they have a sense of uh, what we're looking for. And we, I, I wrote up like basically a whole manifesto. So if you go to the escape pod website, you can find it, you can read it, but, but mostly we're looking for stories that are trending towards hopeful and fun and funny. And uh, certainly we're not avoiding hard emotions or anything like that, but uh, we're, we're definitely not looking for stuff that is kind of like grim, dark, sad, because there is a lot of that in the world, and there are also <laughs> yeah. other other magazines I think that are putting stuff out like that, and uh, and so we're kind of doing our niche and the stuff that that we want to put out uh, for for our podcast basically, but but going over the stories is always fun because then it's like okay we just we sit there and we talk about what did we like about this story, do we think this is an, an escape pod story. Um, is this going to be hard to record? That's another thing that sometimes we discuss because some stories, even if they're a really great story on paper, there may be challenges in transitioning it to an audio format. Sure. Uh, stories that have a lot of like for if, if, if it's written in like an email where you have all of the different headers and stuff like that, it's like, oh, are we going to read all of those or yeah. uh, stories with a lot of text messages or, or, you know, just think things that may not easily translate to audio. That is a thing that we also consider. It's not that we won't take it. It's that we have to think about it. We have to sit down like, like poo and do our yeah. think, think, think. So that, that is a thing that we think about. And then just, do we like the story? Does it spark joy? Make, making the Marie Kondo references here, but we, what we want stories that it, we, they don't have to spark joy, but they have to spark something. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting because last week I, I spoke to uh, a couple of folks who are editors on a uh, co-editors on an anthology. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, years ago I wrote an essay for apex for one of their anthologies talking about tropes. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a trope at this point that there are a lot of authors in the world who just don't pay any attention to the market. Mm-hmm. And they just write a story and then they send it to everybody. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't look at you know guidelines. They don't look at what people are wanting. They don't look at the style. They don't look at the editors. They don't look at the preferences. They don't look at anything that was previously published mm-hmm. by that particular venue. Yeah. They just throw it out there and they hope that it sticks. Yeah, yeah. And I don't and, um I don't think that that is like I'm not here to criticize that, I guess, because it sure. is hard. There are not a ton of short, short fiction outlets, uh, especially not what what yes, what Zippo would call you know like pro pay. And so I I'm not going to be the one to be like you know don't do that. Uh, one of the things in Viable Paradise that that was sort of a motto is that you just keep sending stuff out till hell won't have it, and that is okay. Like as a short fiction writer, you are it's your prerogative to do that. Given that a lot of markets are not uh, sim sub, they do not allow simultaneous submissions. That can mean that you're sending a story out for months and months and months and just getting rejected over and over and over again because you didn't do your due diligence and try to see what kind of stuff that market wants to put out. And so. 
speaking of anthologies, like that is a thing that I love. I've been published in a few anthologies. I've got uh, more stories forthcoming. And what I love about anthologies is they tend to have a very clear aesthetic and topical preference. Yeah. And so that means that you can target much more effectively to an anthology than you potentially can to a magazine where the desires can often be more nebulous, stylistic, aesthetic, etc., tonal, you know, uh, where an anthology, it's like, we're looking for stories about deities getting into scrappy situations or whatever. And it's like, okay, that is that is very specific. Thank you. And so uh, if I don't have a story about that, I can't submit anything. And if I want to, I could write a story about that and then submit it. But otherwise, it's like, well, nope next moving right along yeah but but the the story that i'm telling is that like this is an exaggeration but Mm -hmm. imagine you've written a cozy mystery short story and you send it to escape pod yeah no this anthology that's a horror writer anthology about the other you you gotta read (laughs) read i'm shaking my head (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there are bare minimums that you should be uh you should definitely be and stuff like the submission grinder is really useful for that purpose because then you can narrow things down at a minimum to genre (laughs) where where it's like does your cozy mystery take place on a spaceship if not probably not going to be for escape on though Murr extremely loves cozy mysteries just throwing that out there so if y'all have a cozy mystery that takes place in the spaceship maybe that one is for escape on but but yeah uh or murder grannies Murr's all about the murder grannies so uh this is the inside baseball you came here for folks but yeah if if you're if you're just shotgun approaching the situation and sending stuff to markets that are literally not like we get we get so many offers for people to write uh blog posts for us and i'm like yeah. but we don't do that yeah i know i get all. the same thing for yeah it's like why yeah. why are you doing this why are you emailing me this is a giant waste of time how did i get on your list <laughs> do do some work exert yourself slightly but yeah, like I, but I, I like I said, I, I sympathize with the notion of even someone who has read the thing and is like, I think maybe this is a story that fits for this, and then they hear this is not quite an escape pod story, and they just want to like walk into the sea. Like I get that, but yeah, do do at least a minimal. A lot of places will have. I mean, Clark's World has a massive list of don't send us anything. Oh, on oh, this oh! List. Don't don't get me. So my life goal, my life goal. I, I kid you not, this is what I intend to do at some point in my life, is to get Neil Clark to publish a story with a talking cat. <gasps> that I want to blow his mind with the best story he has ever read. And it just so happens to have a talking cat in there because it's in his guidelines that they are not publishing any short fiction that has a talking cat in it. So that is my life goal. Yeah. And I, and I know that um, <laughs> as as he has said it, he'll publish stuff. That that is on that list, but it has to be really good, and that just yep. tells you that he must get a lot of talking cat stories, yeah. <laughs> or at least he did at some point enough that it's there. It's kind of like how uh, they will say, you know, like safety regulations are written in blood. I'm like that Clark's World <laughs> list is written in a lot of red ink. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I can't remember someone. Uh, I think it's one of our patrons. I think it's JT told me the story of a, of a guidelines on a short fiction thing mm-hmm. where it was really long. It was like Clark's world mm-hmm. long, like huge, big, long list of guidelines. And at the end of it, 
they said, and when you submit it, you have to put this word in your in your subject line. And that's how they were filtering out who was reading the guidelines and who oh wasn't reading gosh. the guidelines. If you did not put that word in the in the subject line, they, they knew. filtered you out. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's so kind of evil. Tricksy. <laughs> that's like, did you ever have to do that that thing in school where it was like read all the instructions before you do anything, and then the instructions included a bunch of like like say your name out loud and do all of this embarrassing <laughs> stuff, and then at the end the instruction was like ignore all the previous instructions, write your name on the paper, and, and, and it's like ah, gotcha, yep. very tricksy, very tricksy. <laughs> Alrighty, so I think that we are at a good point to talk about picks of the week. What do you think? Cool, let's do it. Picks of the week. So, Valerie, do you have a pick ready to go? I have so many picks. Um, okay. So, the first thing I like to talk about is Miss Marvel. The television <gasps> show, which is yes. a delight. It is a delight. I have seen only two episodes so far. My husband and I have been watching it for our date night. And it is just so fun. I love that the characters are teenagers acting like teenagers in the yes. very teenagery way. I love the parents. They yeah. are nice people. The dad is just a total goon. The mom is so many moms I have known. <laughs> and just... <laughs> What the 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 sheer kind of like low key misery <laughs> that sometimes emanates from the mom, where it's just like, I am just trying to hold it together. You are a lot. I I I love it. I love their dynamic. I I love how the mom really just wants to keep her daughter safe. And I say that again, only two episodes in, so maybe uh, it may change over the course of the show. I have no idea, but. But as of right now, and then Kamala just is is just trying, right? But she yeah. she is a, a hero who wants to be a hero. She's not trying to like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want this responsibility, I don't want this power. She's like, ah, what can I do with this? Oh, I'm gonna be a superhero <laughs> for sure. Um, so the, I feel like the that's actress, great. the yes. actress Iman. Yeah, she. I've seen several interviews with her, and I absolutely adore her at yeah. this point. She was a comic book fan mm -hmm. before she got the part. And what's funny is, but she was an Iron Man fan. Mm -hmm. and she read tons of Iron Man and nice. then she read Iron Heart. Yeah. And that's when she first came across Kamala. Yes. An Iron Heart. Uh, and then she got into Miss Marvel and then she gets the part. And she tells the story about uh, the first time she met Kevin Feige. Mm -hmm. And... He came, he like, he came on the set for something and, and she had all these questions, but all she could do was stare at him. <laughs> <laughs> she could not speak. And, uh, she said the next time, like the showrunner did a go between. <laughs> and so she wrote up, she wrote up every question that she wanted and everything she wanted to say. She typed it all up and handed him pages because she couldn't speak to him. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and, uh. He called her and he she said she had like 60 questions about the MCU. And he, he was willing to answer like 40 of them. Oh, yeah. Because some of them are kind of like, I'm sorry. This is on a need to know basis. Yeah. And yeah. But uh, she is perfect for that part. So good. She plays it so well. I, I love that show. It is I really delightful. Do. I'm, it is, I'm really yeah. looking forward to watching the rest of it. Um, I... I am – I'm not going to say like I'm like a huge Marvel fan, but I definitely do enjoy the, the MCU, some things more than others. And so I am looking forward to She-Hulk for sure coming out 
Oh yeah, me too. Uh, I was a fan of the Charles Soule comics, and uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I have a bunch of Ms., the Ms. Marvel comics up here, the trades, and yeah, it's just the show has been a delight to watch. And I know some people were worried about the change up to her powers and the origins and stuff like that. I'm I'm liking it. I I, I don't mind it. I understand that they're trying to uh, switch over from some Mister Fantastic powers, but you know. Uh, we can't all be Reed Richards, right? Uh, so yeah, Ms. Marvel is definitely one. And segueing sideways, I've been playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Nice. That game is so fun. Like it has some really kind of sudden quick time event type stuff that can be frustrating. But I have been extremely enjoying the game. Uh, the If you like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, the game is basically just the movies but long form. You can just stand in the middle of the Milano and listen to all of the crewmates bicker at each other for like <laughs> 10 minutes. Uh, in my streams, I often talk a lot because I'm a very talky person, unfortunately, for people who don't like talking people. But I I can't get in a word in edgewise when I'm playing that game. And it's okay because the, it is so funny. Um, and there is a thing called the huddle mechanic where if a fight is going <laughs> – badly you can say uh you can call for a huddle and then all the teammates just gather around and then quill gives them a pep talk and then they go back to the fight it's the funniest thing i love it love it love it so definitely guardians of the galaxy game uh sideways also hades i've been enjoying immensely my husband and i tag team that one we we trade controller and switch off and we still have not defeated hades but we will we've made it to the surface several times now uh, I would also like to call out Laser Squid Goes House Hunting, which is a story that we have coming out in Escape Pod soon. It's just very nice. It is about a realtor taking a laser squid house hunting. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> just, I think it's coming out next week, if not the week after, but uh, keep your eye out for that. I would also like to talk about cheesecake. Cheesecake, cheesecake is good. wonderful. <laughs> I had a cheesecake the night uh, at midnight uh, of the night of my book birthday on so Tuesday at midnight. I had a cheesecake, just a little one, just a mini personal cheesecake. It was delightful. I think everyone who likes cheesecake should get some. I was born in Chicago, but raised mostly in California. Oh, nice. and I ended up working for many, many years for my aunt and uncle who had a, a warehouse and they had multiple locations. It was a wholesaler. And we lived or we lived we worked the the office was close to uh, a mall in fresno called manchester mall mm-hmm. and inside of manchester mall was a bakery eddie's i think it was and she would go over there and she would get stuff for us and she would get this this is the first time i ever had jalapeno cheese bread and it was amazing it was always fresh and warm and just mm-hmm. uh I, I could eat that all day and night and then she would get a strawberry pizza <sighs> which is a thin cheesecake, you know, with a with a, a, a crisp crust and then strawberries all on top of it with oh, a glaze. So good. And that was the best cheesecake ever, in my opinion. <sighs> I love but, cheesecake. But at the time, now they do all kinds of cool stuff. They do peanut sure. butter. They do chocolate. They do all these new cool things mm-hmm. that just are amazing. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge cheesecake fan myself. Yeah, so, yeah. My I'm mom used there. to make like little like cheesecake cupcakes with. Yes, with, my yeah. mom did that too. Yeah, with the little the the what do you call it? Not not Vienna fingers. The other things, <laughs> the little round cookies as the crust. Uh, oh, uh, um, vanilla wafers. Yeah, right? vanilla wafers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and so you threw me with the with the. <laughs> 
the little, the ones that are not the thing. I don't know words. What are words? I'm a writer. <laughs> just pretend that I just said that in the exact voice of Ron Burgundy. All right. Um, but yeah, so like nil away for crust, just like little, just, just little cupcake versions of cheesecakes. Oh, yep. So yeah. My mom used to do those as well. Those were awesome. I remember those yeah. very, very well. Um, I, I have a question on the Guardians of the Galaxy. What 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 are you playing that on? Just out of curiosity, uh, I'm playing it on PS4. Yeah, because okay. I had I bought. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. So I bought a PS4 to play Dragon Age Inquisition, specifically to play the Dragon Age Inquisition DLC Trespasser, which did not come out for the PS3. So I actually have bought <laughs> Dragon Age Inquisition twice, and moreover, I literally bought a whole video game system just for one dlc but it's okay because it has paid off i have lots of other games for it certainly <laughs> and that i play but yeah that's that's my secret shame that was back when I, I had more money <laughs> i got a ps4 pro yes because i hadn't had a console in a really really long time the last console i had was an xbox 360 mm -hmm. and i wanted to, i wanted an upgraded system so i got the pro uh, and I actually got the Star Wars limited edition uh, Battlefront one, so it's got nice. the it's got the yeah, graphics yeah. and stuff on the on the case. Uh, and then I got a five because of peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, two two friends who I play with both got the fives, and I was like, well, that's bullshit. So I ended up getting <laughs> a five. And then because I'm a completist, I got one of the new Xboxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and because I, I also really liked Halo back in the day and oh, I hadn't yeah. played it in a really long time. But what's funny is I'm terrible at video games. I'm terrible at playing. I'm terrible at finishing them. I never finish them because I don't want them to end. This is a Sarah Chorn thing. Yep. I don't want the thing that I love to end. So I, I don't finish it. I feel that big time, yeah. So, uh, but one of my favorite all-time games ever is Oddworld. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they have a new Oddworld <gasps> on the five. Oh. And I think now on the four as well. Oh. Uh, and so I've been playing that and I just, uh, I love, I love that game and I don't want it to end ever. I, I, I play it when I, and then I switch back and forth between that and Halo because when I feel like I need to just blow shit up. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's just so much fun to play this character that doesn't blow shit up for the mm -hmm. most part. Like he, he walks around farting and hugging people and saying, hello, <laughs> come with me. I don't know. And, you know, he's just, uh, uh, anyway, uh, you actually did steal my pick because I was going to pick Miss Marvel. Uh, <gasps> that was going to be my pick because I don't think I picked it yet. But that's okay because that gives me an opportunity to pick something else, which I think I have picked in the past. I don't know if I picked the current season. But there's a show called uh, Motherland Fort Salem. Mm -hmm. It's a freeform show that is on Hulu is where I watch it. And it's about an alternate history where – witches helped America in the civil war mm -hmm. or no, not the civil war in the uh, war of independence. Right. And got rights as witches. And the uh, America is split between the United States of America and the session, which is the, uh, like a strip that runs that is, is uh, indigenous and native American folk run that section. Mm. And uh, witches are the army. And it, it's just, it's, it's difficult to explain, but I, I, for whatever reason, I love this show. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in their final season now. And I'm sad that it's the final season, but it's, it's, it, I don't know. I just love the show. So go, everybody just go watch it. 
I, I, I really enjoy it. Anyway. Witch on. Yes. Uh, they, they do these weird vocal things and there's the, there's the, um, uh, the Camry, which are hunting the witches and then they're cutting out their voice boxes and using them in technology so that they can do spells and and works is what the witches call it. And yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's such a good show and so intricate and lots of different things going on. So I'm sad that it's, that it's going away. But anyway, uh, Valerie, I, I, I've had a great time chatting with you. I, I hope you've had fun as well. Why don't you tell people where they can find you online, your website, your social media, uh, where your books are available. I'm assuming everywhere fine books are sold. All I that would good believe stuff. so. Yes. And for, I've not done a survey, but I, I anticipate <laughs> that if you walked into a bookstore, I know my friend sent me a picture. It's definitely a Borderlands. Nice. So, yeah. So if you live in San Francisco, but uh, yeah, you can find me online at ValerieValdez.com. That is with an S if you're listening. Uh, you can also, it's also candleandsunshine.com. They, they reroute to each other. Uh, that is a Blake reference for all you nerds out there. You can find me on Twitter at Valerie Valdez and on Instagram, Valerie Valdez author. And on Twitch, my, my uh, name there is the kids are asleep, which is when I stream. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I don't understand Twitch. Mm-hmm. Twitch tw- and, and I don't know that Twitch is a step too far. I think I could probably get into Twitch, but I think that people would be really annoyed with me if I streamed my gaming <laughs> because they'd be like, you played for two minutes and you were getting close to the end. And so you stopped and you switched to fucking racing games. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Go back to the game, finish the damn game. And it'd be like, no, like for three months, I don't go back to that game. And now I'm just playing stupid racing games that are really easy. It's like Sonic. Yeah, let's play a Sonic racing game for a while. <laughs> the, the benefit of Twitch for me, so I call it mandatory fun because otherwise I would simply work 100% of the time that I'm not sleeping. So it, it forces me to stick to a schedule. Yeah. It forces me to play one game to completion on each <laughs> night that I stream. Uh, and and it gives me an incentive to actually show up because that is, you know, going back to the writing thing, a thing that motivates me and gets me to do the work is knowing there is someone who's going to be there. Yeah. And I'm not just doing it by myself. I think that is a, it's not a problem for everyone, but I think it is a pretty common problem where it's like it's it's easy to make promises to yourself and break them, but it's much yeah. harder to make promises to other people and break them, True. at least for me. And so uh, the the mandatory fun is both a promise to myself that I will have at least two hours of fun every night. But also I, other people are there and, and it's my friends and we're hanging out and playing a game together and it's fun. You've also just described the power of the critique group because oh, yeah. when, you, when you have people that are waiting to read your stuff, it, it motivates you to get stuff written yep, and to yep. make that submission every, every month or whenever you meet. So I totally get that. I yeah, that. I find that so there's uh, an organization called Dream Foundry, which you may or may not have heard yep. of. And uh, it is it is primarily aimed at kind of early career writers, but by no means exclusive to them. And they have a lot of great kind of like, uh, like buddy systems and, and timer groups and things like that. So it, it really helps to have the co working aspect to a lot of this stuff. Sure, it, it gets you gets you going and, and keeps you working when you might otherwise not. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I, I 
I look forward to checking out your trilogy. I have not checked it out yet, but based on our conversation, I think it's something I might like. So I'm going to check mm-hmm. that out. Uh, good luck with the future books as well. It Thank sounds you. like sounds like you're you're definitely staying productive, which is awesome. I am I'm doing what I can. You know, it's it's <laughs> like being a knight. You're only as good as your last fight. There you go. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you later. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, time, probably past time, for a new bumper. If you liked this episode, thanks. <laughs> we liked making it for you. There's lots of ways you can support us moving forward, if you did like this episode. You could give us a review at Apple or Google Podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, etc. There's lots of places out there. Wherever you listen to this podcast would be a great spot to go. Give us a couple stars, write a little review, tell folks how great we are. It would help. You could follow us on Twitter. Our account there is at FN underscore podcast. If you do that, please help us boost the signal by retweeting our stuff. You could take a look at our Facebook page and click like on it. Eh, I don't do a lot there, but it's a necessary evil. You could back us over at patreon.com slash functional nerds and throw a couple bucks our way each month. You could tell your friends about us and turn them onto the show. Any or all of that would be awesome. And I would really appreciate it, Todd. Now that this episode is over, you can also consider checking out our friends over at Beyond the Trope. Giles and Michelle put out an episode a week, just like we do, and they talk to writers, artists, and creatives from all over the place. They have a huge back catalog of episodes and have a lot of fun doing it, which comes through in their weekly episodes. So check them out over at beyondthetrope.com. As always, thanks for listening. And don't forget to tip your server on the way out. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions. And then oh squirrel. Oh for God's sake. Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? Okay. That's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, Hey, I really love what you do, I'm like, I'm sorry, do you know who I like I think you have me confused with someone else? The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited. <laughs>